in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. This is Mitch Mo, And this is Dallin. Happy Thanksgiving to you, the listener, and uh, welcome into the Sports Hour, Mitch. It's the week of Thanksgiving, which means that there's a ton of food in store and uh, a ton of football. And I can say for surety that I'm very excited for all I mean, of that. Well, yeah, I mean, let, let's, let's be honest. Thanksgiving, getting together with your family and friends... That's what this is all about. But the massive amounts of food and the massive amounts of football are definitely a plus that that come on that day. That's for sure. Yes. No, it just uh, it makes it that much better. So uh, a happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I hope you get an opportunity to spend time with family and friends. And we wanted to bring you this episode a little earlier in the week so that you could enjoy it as you are out and about, uh, maybe traveling, uh, headed to said festivities. And Mitch, we had a ton of great football games last week. Uh, some uh, really interesting blowouts that we're going to talk about. And, uh, and, and some, you know, daddy's favorites, some pit of misery. We've, we've got, uh, we've got it all today. We have got it all, got it all coming for you. All right. Well, let's start this off by talking about last week's games in the NFL, Mitch. And let's start with the most recent game, which was Monday night. We had the Ravens in LA to take on the Rams. Thought it was going to be a great matchup. And, uh, Mitch, it was Pure domination by the Baltimore Ravens, 45 to six on the road against the defending NFC champs. Uh, an impressive win, to say the least, for Baltimore. Absolutely. Um, it, I'm going to just say it right now because I don't know if anyone else would, but I'm going to say it. Uh, Baltimore is the best team in football. Um, there's not a team better than them right now. Not the Patriots, not the 49ers, not. Green Bay, Baltimore is the best team in football right now. And they showed it again. I mean, Los Angeles you know, has not had the year that we thought they were going to have. But Lamar Jackson, again, playing lights out, 15 for 20, 169 and 5. Five touchdowns, only threw for 169 yards. Um, yeah, only threw the ball 20 times. I mean, that's every every. Four throws, he threw a touchdown. Every three completions was in the end zone. That's nuts. Every three completions wound up in the end zone. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's, which I was a little pissed off when it came fancy-wise. I mean, five touchdowns, and you can throw one of those to Mark Andrews? Come on. Help me out yeah. here a little bit. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, and he's not just hit. Like, he's throwing the ball. Like, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, how he's not throwing the ball at quite such a high rate as everyone else. Um, and it's because he has this ability to use his legs. Um, and they have a great uh, running back in Mark Egram to lean on as well. Um, 
But he's not just targeting one guy more than the others. I mean, Marquise Brown led the team in receptions with five, but Boykin had two, Andrews had two, Roberts had three, Snead had two. Um, he's spreading the ball around really, really well and using all of his targets, all of his weapons that he has at his disposal, he's using them and using them well. Yeah, I mean, the offense is remarkable. Uh, I'm equally as impressed with the defense. Uh, the Rams, listen, I know their offensive struggles this year, but six points to the Rams on the road, two interceptions on Goff, two sacks. Uh, I mean, just really limited everything the Rams wanted to do on offense. Only gave up 221 total yards, including 22 on the ground. Uh, I Just dominant on both sides of the field, Mitch, and uh, I have to agree with you that right now Baltimore is the best team in the NFL. Now, they may not be the best team overall, but they are playing the best football right now. They're ba- I-, I would take them in a matchup over anybody. I mean, they played two playoff caliber teams back-to-back, the Texans and then the Rams, and they gave up only 13 points, and they scored 86 and you add on to that that they beat the Patriots and the Seahawks in back-to-back weeks earlier in the season, Mitch. It's like, I who's going to stop them? They have the Niners next and then the Bills. I mean, that two more matchups that are going to be tough, but I just I can't see them losing. I, I don't. I don't see them losing either. I mean, this team is just far too dominant right now and so red freaking hot that um, – it's yeah, it's hard to see them losing at any point during the rest of the year. This might be a fourteen and two team. Um, and we we talked about you know oh can you you know at the beginning of the year can you project teams out to be fourteen and two or or fifteen and one you know fourteen and two seems like an astronomically high number to have someone predicted at the beginning of the year. But like at this point in the season right now, fourteen and two looks very very believable for Baltimore. Yeah, and uh, Mitch, on the flip side of things, uh, I had a team that was going to go 14-2 and two this year, Mitch, and that was the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah. And uh, as uh, as an embarrassment to myself, I was obviously wrong on that. They're 6-5. and five. It seems like, you know, playoff hopes crushed at this point with how dominant uh, the top of the of the conference has been. You're looking at a wild card spot right now that goes to the 8-3 and three Vikings. So uh, they've got games, games to gain, and they still have to play the Seahawks, the Niners, and the Cowboys, coupled with two matchups against a pesky Arizona Cardinals team. They're going to have to basically win out or 4-1 and one in their last five, and I just don't think they can do it. Yeah, that's going to be extremely tough for them to do. I... I don't see them doing it. Not with these type of offensive struggles. Um, it's There seems like there's way too much put on Jared Goff right now and not enough on Todd Gurley uh, to get anything done. And I will say this, Todd Gurley does not look the same. I noticed that on uh, watching this game on Monday night, he just didn't look, he just doesn't look like the same running back from last year. And he's had the injury and I know he maybe isn't 100% or at least 100% back to what he was, but he that's not the same guy. That's not the potential MVP candidate that he was last year. Uh, and that that's a significant loss to this team. Uh, I mean, it... Yeah, throughout the course of the year, it it he hasn't looked the same, and we know he had the injury concerns before the season started, and into the first few weeks of the year. But it's hard to it's hard to get any sort of look when you're only getting six touches a game. I mean, six touches 
and he was the leading carry. He was the leading rusher for that team. Brandon Cooks had one. Malcolm Brown had one. Jared Goff had one, accumulating for zero yards total. So he was the whole rushing offense for that team, only at twenty-two yards. So yeah, he hasn't looked good, but his workload's been a lot less. And uh, I mean, do you have any concerns that maybe they overused him last year? That he was overworked. I don't know if it was overworked, but I mean, obviously this injury has affected him, and it's now affecting his career. This isn't like a season-to-season thing. Like he's not the same player, and that's significant. Uh, especially when you consider the how much money they're paying him, uh, like tops in the in the league, uh, to not be the guy they're paying. I mean, that's uh, th- that's a tough situation, and uh, the Rams are in a really tough spot considering they don't have a first round pick, Mitch, till I believe twenty twenty two. So I mean, this right. team that they have, they have to figure out how to win with it because they are stuck with it uh, for the foreseeable future. Oh yeah, nope, yep, this is. The price you pay for buying a bunch of superstars. So, Yeah, and sometimes I guess it just doesn't work out. So uh, let's move to Sunday night, Mitch. Uh, and this was another primetime matchup. We thought that was that was going to be a great game. Uh, and it was not. The Niners hosting the Packers on Sunday night football just demolished them. 37-8 to uh, stifled the offense. Only 198 total yards gained by the Packers, including only 81 passing yards uh, when you couple in the sacks. Uh, it, Mitch, it is uh, this was a dominant performance by a Niners team that dropped one against Seattle and in overtime and and you and I felt that they were gonna kind of you know start to uh, start to dip down a little bit in their quality of play uh, and and they thoroughly showed that they were the better team on Sunday. Well, I, you know I picked them to win. Um... And the big takeaway, so let's go back to the Seattle game. The big takeaway for me here was they played a very good Seattle team, extremely tough, took them to overtime, lost by a field goal. That, to me, even though in that loss, proved that they can hang with some of the league's best teams. Forget the early, the you know, the first half of the year, easy, you know, first half of the schedule. Forget all that. This team is legit. And they went and proved it against Green Bay. When you hold Aaron Rodgers to 20 for 33, 104, and they have to bring in their backup quarterback at the end of the game. That's saying something. This team is extremely, extremely talented. And uh, it all starts on the defensive side of the ball. Um, absolutely stifling that Green Bay offense that has been very good this entire year. Um, and then it goes back offensively. It goes to the run game. Um, no standouts, but extremely consistent. Jimmy G threw the ball very well. Um, and this team is just well put together. Yeah, I mean, the Niners are a team that's going to rely on the defense to win, uh, and that's what they did. Yes, they put up 37 points, but uh, you look at, you know, the fact that you had a turnover by Green Bay, you had great field position, a lot of three and outs forced by the defense, a lot of punts uh, that allowed San Francisco to get, especially early on in the game, to get good position. I mean, they had the fumble on the first drive that allowed them to score a touchdown easy, go up 7-0 easy. Uh, I mean, this defense is is the strength of this team. It's what makes this team so good in the offense uh, with an efficient game by Jimmy Garoppolo and a solid uh, game on the ground. That's the formula for them to win, and the formula worked perfectly on Sunday. Uh, Mitch, it doesn't get any easier for San Francisco, who's going to go to Baltimore 
for a Sunday matchup. And then the following week, they have to go to New Orleans uh, for another big matchup. So the the Packers is uh, maybe the easiest of those games in this three-game stretch, and that doesn't include the fact that they have to go to Seattle Week 17. So uh, some tests, I mean, they passed this test. That is for sure. They showed that, you know, hey, like, we are legit. I want to see what they do against Baltimore, against the Saints. Even if they drop those two games, Mitch, competitive games are going to convince me that the Niners are a team to worry about in the playoffs. I mean, they could drop those two games and still theoretically be 13-3. and three. And, and still so, be the number one seed uh, in the NFC, exactly. potentially. I mean, that, that, I mean that, that is, you know, the lead they've given themselves at 10-1. and one. Very well put. I mean, just top to bottom, I'm just in awe of how well put together this team is. And the the job done by Kyle Shanahan has been tremendous. Um, to realize what he has and, you know, it. I draw this analogy back to motorsports and you look at um, you look at good race car drivers and the good race car drivers know the capabilities of their equipment and that's what makes them so well and that's what that's what makes them so good and they're and why you know they know what their equipment can and can't do and they maximize that opportunity with it and i'm seeing the same thing right now with Kyle Shanahan he recognizes the skill sets that each guy brings to the table, and he's maximizing that. He's using that to its full potential, and that's what makes his team so dangerous. Yeah, it's not a team, uh, like you referred to the Rams, led by superstars. Uh, there is no superstar on this on this team at all, on any position, really. It is uh, a solid solid units. Uh, guy, like you said, Shanahan getting the most out of particular players and positions. Uh, and executing at a high level, so a lot of good football coming up for the Niners for sure. Uh, Mitch and I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to draw a comparison here. What other head coach have we seen do that in recent history? Uh, I mean, I would, I guess, I would say, uh, yeah, Pete Carroll would be one. Bill Belichick probably the other. Bill Belichick was exactly who I was thinking. Yeah, of. Um, necessarily doesn't have the most name worthy roster but finds the way to get the best out of each guy week in and week out and uses that to its maximum potential in formulating a game plan yeah it, seeing a lot of similarities there yeah and i would i would add pete carroll into that uh conversation because you look at the the superstars he created uh the bobby wagners the richard shermans uh solid players cliff averill kj wright i mean russell wilson i mean tyler lockett doug baldwin all, none of those guys were highly touted at any point in their call you know in their college to nfl careers uh but he maximized the best out of them gave uh, created the best units especially on the defensive side of the field uh and i think we're seeing a lot of that with this with the niners that's pretty high praise mitch to compare him to belichick uh and even carroll but i i'm on board with you i'm on board with you yeah I think he's earned it. I think he's earned it for sure. Yeah. Speaking of Bill Belichick, Mitch, the Patriots, despite the Ravens' success, still lead the AFC at ten and one. Their only loss coming to those same Baltimore Ravens. They got it done at home in an ugly game, a wet game against the Dallas Cowboys, getting to that tenth win, Mitch. Uh, it was just a tough game, defensive. It comes down to, in the end, I think coaching. And again, it seems like Jason Garrett comes up short and you've just got to wonder how long uh, Jerry Jones is going to give this guy the leash. I mean, how long, how long is this leash and does Jerry Jones even care about winning a Super Bowl? Because Jason Garrett is not the guy to do that. Oh, no, J 
Jerry Jones doesn't care about winning Super Bowls. You don't if he, think if so? If he would, he would. No, I think if if that were the case, he would have made the change a long time ago. Fair enough. I, I mean, he would have made the change a long time ago, and I I don't think he really cares. But I think I think he's he's like any other rich businessman in the NFL right now. That's not a football guy. Jerry Jones is not a football guy. He was an oil tycoon that bought an NFL team. Uh, if if you're an owner and not a football guy, I don't really think you care much about winning Super Bowls um, because you're more interested in what your bottom line is and what how much money you're going to make. Um, if he if he cared about it, um, I could if I haven't said it three times, I'll say it four times. He would have made the change with Jason Garrett a long time ago. Um, and it, you know, it's just uh, it's sad because the Cowboys were such a you know historic franchise and. and a winning franchise for so long, but since he's bought them, uh, with the exception of the few early Super Bowls with Jimmy Johnson and Troy Aikman and the crew, um, there's nothing to show for it. One playoff win in the last 23 years. Uh, it's it's sad. It's sad. Yeah, it is. And, and particularly when you go on the road in Foxborough and you're going to tell me that your defense held the Patriots to 13 points, and now the Patriots' offense has not been great this year. Uh, we know the obvious struggles, uh, especially, you know, with Tom Brady. But nevertheless, you hold the Patriots to 13 points and you can't, you just can't score 14. You can only muster nine. That's a failure. That's a, that's a failure all around, and that falls on the head coach. And uh, it just seems like at this point, Mitch, if if Garrett doesn't go, then then you're right. Then Jerry Jones just doesn't care about a Super Bowl. He cares about being relative enough and having a guy that he likes as the head coach of the team. Uh, and it's a sad state to be in for the Cowboys. I hope they do the right thing. I hope they move on and find a coach that can win because there's too much talent on this team to waste on both sides of the field uh, with a head coach that's just not going to win you a championship. Right. I mean, at this point, just fire him and give Kellen Moore a shot. Offensive mind, great offensive mind, been great with the quarterbacks. Give Kellen Moore a shot. And it, Why not? And it seems like that's the route it's going, Mitch. It seems like that's the route it's going. But uh, yeah. let's continue talking about the NFC East, Mitch. The last game we wanted to mention from this week was the Eagles-Seahawks game. Eagles hosting Seattle in Philly and can't get it done. Again, a low-scoring game, defense-heavy, 17-9 to victory for Seattle. Uh, Mitch, let's talk about this from the uh, from the Eagles' perspective first. We just talked about the Cowboys, and in, in this NFC East race, Mitch, it is still only a one-game deficit. Cowboys 6-5, and Eagles 5-6. and uh, Despite both these teams' struggle, despite the fact that the Eagles uh, couldn't get it done and couldn't muster any offense against the Patriots and Seahawks. Uh, they're sitting only a game back, and these are their next three games. At the Dolphins, home against the Giants, and at the Washington Redskins. So, <laughs> as abysmal as this may seem for Philly, and I think it's abysmal, and as somebody who picked them to win the dang Super Bowl, I'm a little upset. They're still not out of the woods. They could be 8-6 and six in three weeks. And looking at uh, an opportunity to face the Cowboys in Week 16 and, and gain control of the division. Yeah, I mean, this is the uh, just nickname this the NFC least. Um, <laughs> very disappointing division, really disappointing. Um, especially when, especially at the top with Dallas and Philadelphia. Um, who's to blame for this, though? I mean, because obviously. It, 
it does these things don't just happen. This is a good team. It's well constructed team. They've had they have good leadership. Does this blame fall back on Carson Wentz at all? Uh, Mitch, they they their their issues uh I think stem a lot from health. Uh their wide receiver core is completely depleted. I mean just absolutely shredded. I don't know who is even healthy on this team anymore. And they should be getting some guys back in the next couple weeks. It seems like uh, Alshon Jeffrey uh, to name one Deshaun Jackson's also out. I mean, you had, uh, I have to look up this guy's name. Cause I don't know his first name. G ward jr. Greg ward jr. Had six receptions for them. Dallas Goddard's getting seven. He threw 12 passes completes 12 completions to tight ends Ertz and goddard i mean that they just don't have any 19 19 of his 33 completions exactly were to tight ends exactly and so they just don't have anybody to throw him the ball and and listen wentz has not had the best year and i don't think he's been perfect but he has definitely not had much help and they have struggled running the ball as well so it's i think it's a combination of things i think it's a, a combination of things but Yet, despite the fact that they're five and six with this favorable of a schedule, Mitch, I mean, it is not improbable that they win out. It is not improbable that they win out. They play the Giants twice, the Dolphins, the Redskins, and the only tough game they have to to win is a home game against the Cowboys in week 16. So, right. I mean, this, they could be 10 and 6 at the end of the year and we feel completely different about them. Uh, but they, I mean, it starts on Sunday. They they obviously have to beat the Dolphins and they have to get some wins. They have to get healthy. Uh, but I am not, uh, I would not be as worried about the the, uh, the Eagles uh, for people out there. And uh, I believe that the winner of this division is going to come out at 9 and 7. I really do. Cowboys or Eagles, they're going to be nine and seven, and they're going to have a tough matchup against uh, what will most likely be uh, a really good wild. They'll probably play the Seahawks at home, and the Seahawks may be like you know twelve and four. It's going to be nuts. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what. Down the stretch, I know his opportunity was limited this week, but Miles Sanders, I think you've got to give him a little bit more opportunity on the ground. I'll tell you why five five yards of carry last week 12 for 63 pretty good clip yeah um you see he's shown ability to catch the ball out of the backfield i think you need to get this guy more involved if you want to uh you know add some variation to your offensive scheme obviously you don't have anyone else to throw to right now so get the guy more involved and how about jay ajayi coming back i know he was six for 16 but he gets signed late. He gets six carries in this game. Um, uh, you know, they, if Jordan if Jordan Howard comes back healthy, uh, this could be a very potent backfield down the stretch. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think you have to rely on that. Uh, too many t- turnovers, a big issue for the Eagles. Five turnovers, including three fumbles lost. Uh, that's just not a recipe to win if you're the Eagles. They need to clean up the play, get healthy. Mitch, let's talk about the Seahawks. They're 9-2. They had the win over the Niners, and they still trail them by a game. They still have a game remaining against each other on the schedule, so Seattle still has an opportunity to win the division. They're going to have, you know, that shot later on, Uh, but a great 
performance by their defense. The offense was good, uh, really good on the ground, 174 yards on the ground. Rashad Penny, 14 carries, 129 yards and a touchdown, had a long 58-yard run. Uh, getting contributions from him uh, to couple him with Chris Carson, uh, that's a solid formula for Seattle and uh, the, the, way, the way to win a defensive matchup like they had. Yeah, yeah, you got to get everyone involved that you can. Um, obviously, great performance by Rashad Penny, um, the, and you know, using the the tandem backfield of Penny and Carson has been has worked out really well for him. Russell Wilson, kind of the down week this week, um, thirteen for twenty five, only completing just a hair over fifty percent of his passes. Uh, that's going to have to be better down the stretch if they want to make any sort of noise uh, in these last few weeks of the season. But good ball distribution, again, no one having more than four receptions um, during the game, which actually Chris Carson had the most receptions in the game, four for 31. Uh, and that spread out over seven guys. So uh, good ball distribution even for for the for the low amount of uh, completions that Russell Wilson had. But, again, it's, the story was the defense. Um, Michael Kendricks playing extremely well, 11 tackles last week. So, um, yeah, another great week by the Seahawks, another been they're going to be one of those tough teams down the stretch you're going to have to watch out for. Yeah, and they have uh, not the toughest schedule left, but, uh, you know, not an easy one either. They have the Vikings Monday night. Then they travel to L.A. for the Rams. They travel to Carolina for the Panthers. They take the Cardinals at home and then the Niners at home week 17. What may be for the division, what may be for uh, first round bye. Uh, there could be a lot of implications on week 17 games. So uh, some some tough sledding ahead for Seattle. But Mitch, I just want to take a quick look at the playoff picture in the NFL right now. Uh, we've talked about a lot of the teams in contention, but it seems to me that the NFC is more or less wrapped up. And it seems weird because going into this season, it felt like there'd be maybe nine or 10 teams competing for the playoffs. Uh, it seems like at this point, it's going to be one of Dallas or Philly, Green Bay, Minnesota, New Orleans, San Francisco, and Seattle. I, it just seems like it would. I would be shocked if another team uh, wedged their way into the uh, playoff conversation. Yeah, I would be too. Um, it, it really worked. Really, one through five is locked up, or, you know, one, two, three, five, six is pretty much locked up right now. Uh, that right. four seed is going to be the question mark, and that's going to be whoever comes out of the NFC East. Um, yeah, it, it makes it a little bit less fun as a fan down the stretch because you know who's going to be in and who's going to be out. Um, but it does make it a little bit more, it does make it interesting to see, you know, who's going to get that four seed. And if a team could squeeze into that final spot or squeeze into that sixth spot and boot someone out in week 17. Um, I just don't foresee, I don't, I just don't foresee that happening. Yeah. Well, and there is a question too, right now of, uh, of, of what it all looks like in the end. We may know the teams, but uh, you know, Seattle, like I said, only a game back of San Francisco, you know, if they all if they get to that game with this same scenario and Seattle wins, they will win the division and get a first round bye and send San Francisco to a wild card. You have Green Bay, Minnesota, each a game back in New Orleans. Uh, can they make a leap, get into a first round bye? There's some interesting questions as far as who, you know, who the top two seeds are. Uh, and and kind of how that all shakes out at the end of the season. Uh, but you're right, Mitch. It's it's not uh, it's not as exciting as I thought it would be. And somehow the AFC is the exciting one, Mitch, because we have uh, I would count 
five teams competing for that final sixth playoff spot. Yeah. Well, who's that? Yeah, we got Oakland, Pittsburgh, Indy, Tennessee, and, and the Browns. And, the and Browns. I would throw the Browns in there. All, yeah. So, like, as you mentioned, the first four teams, Oakland, Pittsburgh, Indy, Tennessee, all six and five. Uh, Cleveland, five and six, but we've talked about the the favorable schedule that they have. Uh, winners of three straight, you know, momentum going in the right direction. That There's something to be said there. But uh, New England, obviously, seems like a lock. Baltimore at nine and two seems like a lock. Kansas City at seven and four. Only a game up in the division, but they do have the game against Oakland. A chance to make that a two-game lead this week. Uh, seems like a lock regardless. Houston seems like the best team out of the South. So uh, with Buffalo at eight and three, even if they're not the best team, they have enough wins to, you know, get a spot for sure. But uh, there's going to be some competition for that final one. Mitch, who are you? Who do you see as the favorite uh, going into these final five games? Oh, man. It, it's it's hard. To, as much as I would like Oakland to make the playoffs because I want to just stick it to you a little bit about our, you know, our whole debate. Um, five and one at home, but one and four on the road. Um, yeah. And not an easy back half of the schedule. Um, I got to give it either Indy or Cleveland. I'm going to take the long shot Cleveland or Indianapolis. I mean, the uh, we, we talked about the Browns back half of the schedule. Um, I, I feel like there's enough there, just you know, a little bit of help to help them get into that spot. But then Indy, this team is, is they've struggled in recent weeks, but this is still, I think, a, a fairly decent team that could squeeze into a spot. I really don't want Tennessee to get in, though. Yeah, I mean they they're the most boring team in the NFL <laughs> by far. Like I would I would rather watch a Bengals game than a Titans game right now. It just Tennessee's just so boring. Ugh. Uh, you know, the thing is, is it, this is going to be key. Uh, Indianapolis, Tennessee play this week, uh, both at six and five, a chance to kind of take that that spot. Pittsburgh and Cleveland also play this week. And Mitch, Tennessee and Oakland play next week. So these teams are going to be <laughs> hanging around each other for a minute here. Uh, in these next couple weeks, we may see some more clarity in this wild card race. But as of right now, uh, five teams, I think, lingering around there with a shot. Uh, I would say Indianapolis and Cleveland as well, I think, are the favorites. With Pittsburgh turning to Devlin Hodges, uh, the fact that you're benching your backup is not a good sign. So I'm not feeling confident about Pittsburgh. Oakland uh, has been... You know, six and five, that's a good record, but their point differential is terrible. Like you said, one at four away from uh, Oakland. And uh, I just don't think that's a sustainable enough, uh, you know, game plan to get to, you know, the nine and seven, potentially 10 and six record they're going to need to make the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, I would, I'm, I'm on the same page with you. Yeah. Yes, sir. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's about it for last week in the NFL, right? We good? We good. We good, big dog. Cool. All right. Well, let us move on to some of our favorite segments. And, Mitch, I will let you go first this time with your pit of misery. That's right. Pit of misery. And, guys, I have a brand new edition of the pit of misery. Dilly Dilly, not sponsored by Bud Light. This week's entrant into the pit of misery is one Mr. Jared Goff. I want to just spit 
some numbers out here at you down. Four years, $134 million. Four years, $134 million. What does he have to show for it? Oh, I, I, I got numbers. I got numbers. 11 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. 61.2 completion percentage. Quarterback rating of 80.3. The man has been absolutely atrocious for the... And to get that fat contract, that's how you're going to play? Really? This is a... This is a this, you guys should be winning your division. This should be a team that should be getting 12 wins, flying into the Super Bowl, so, or flying into the playoffs, soaring in. No problem. But 11 touchdowns, 12 interceptions is what you got to show for it. 80.3 passer rating. That's the best he got. I get it. I get it. You don't have any weapons. You don't have any weapons. Oh, wait. I forgot. You do have weapons. You have plenty of weapons to throw to. And you can't get it done. Jared Goff, you are 25 years old. This is, should be the time that you are ascending Getting into your prime, you're regressing. And it's not even it's you can't it's not even a conversation if you're regressing or not. You are regressing. You don't go from 28 touchdowns, seven picks, 32 touchdowns, 12 picks, to following that up with 11 touchdowns and 12 picks. Quarterback rating 100 or better in both those prior years. You're regressing when you should be hitting your prime, and with that contract. That's not enough. Jared Goff, you're getting thrown into the pit of misery. Dilly dilly. Wow. Dilly dilly, Mitch. I uh, I just have to agree with you. It's been rough. And the thing is, quarterback's a leader. He doesn't seem like the leader of that team, Mitch. He doesn't seem like it at all. No. And that's no. – it, it, people talk about intangibles, and you could discredit them as much as you want, but, like, that matters, especially when you want to win. And, uh, you know, last year it just all worked perfectly. This year it hasn't. Super Bowl hangover, I don't know what it is, but uh, it has not been good. And he has <laughs> contributed greatly to the not goodness. Yep. QBR of 37. I just want to throw that out there. That was the other Oof. number that I didn't get to. Oof. He's garbage. Yes, garbage. Garbage, He's a garbage, garbage person. I, I, um, I think you have a honorary entry don't you oh yes can i can i also throw somebody into the pit of misery yeah you can but you have to say the magic words before you throw them in so dilly dilly yep there you dilly go dilly dilly joey sly is going into the pit of misery mitch because he kicked away the panthers playoff hopes on a missed 28 yard field goal at the end of the game a field goal that would have put them up three against the saints a chance to maybe win that game, send it to overtime, uh, a chance to extend the season. He missed two extra points earlier in the game, misses that field goal, Drew Brees, and the Saints go right down the field, kick a short field goal of their own, and walk away the victors. And at that moment, the Panthers sit at 5-6 and six in a vaunted NFC, three games back of a wild card spot, four games back of the division lead, and that's about it. That is all she wrote. And I don't blame Joey Sly for the Panthers missing the playoffs, but I blame him for ending their season. So dilly dilly, Joey Sly, 
have fun with the others in the pit of misery. You know, Dallin, I, I would have sympathy for you, but I just don't. I just don't because, one, you shit all over my bears last week. <laughs> and, two, I've had the kicker problems. And you know what? This, too, shall pass. And I, I, I really want to just put my arm around. Like, hey, dude, I've had kicker problems. Man, it's okay. It happens. We'll, we'll move on, Pat. We'll move past it. Get yourself a new kicker. You're all good. But I can't feel sympathetic for you. I don't have any sympathy for you because of the way you just shit all over my bears last week. So, yeah, tough shit, dude. Sorry, Joey Sly. That's your kicker. Mitch, I, I, I completely understand. I completely understand. And uh, your, uh, your, lack of empathy, your lack of sympathy is warranted. Uh, I do have to say the Panthers spent a sixth-round pick a couple years ago on a kid named Harrison Butker. Didn't stick him around. Let him walk away. Walked right over to Kansas City. He's been one of the best kickers in the league since he joined the league. And Graham Gano gets injured, and we end up with Joey Sly. And I like him. He's swole. The dude's jacked. But you can't miss 28-yard field goals. You just can't do it. Harrison Butker ain't missing that. He is what the kids call a thick boy. This guy, like, he has no neck. He has no neck. He is jo- Joey Swole, not Joey Sly. It's ridiculous, but that doesn't help you kick field goals. Like, if apparently. they took the body mass that would be on a normal human neck, took that away, put him in his shoulders, and just stuck the head on top of the shoulders, that's Joey Sly. Yeah, yeah. He could play D1 linebacker, I think. I think. He probably At, like, could. Like Rutgers or something. I think he could do it. <laughs> Somewhere <laughs> terrible like Rutgers. Yeah. yeah. Where they can't tackle anyway, so. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mitch, thank you for the pit of misery. Fantastic. Thank you for letting me add one of my own. Much appreciated. Yep. No problem. Uh, it's time for America's favorite segment, and that is Daddy's Favorite. You're not my dad! And this week, guys, we're going to talk about uh, the daddy of them all. The daddy of this generation in the NBA, Mr. LeBron James. Mm. LeBron okay. James has been fantastic this season. In case nobody was paying attention, in case you just hated the Lakers... You thought LeBron was washed. Maybe you just aren't paying attention because you're a hater. Maybe you just don't care. But I'm going to tell you anyways, LeBron James, the Lakers played the Spurs last night, Monday night, came away with the victory. But LeBron, 33 points, 14 assists. He's been spectacular, 13 of 24 from the field. Uh, I want to share. I want to share some stats with you, Mitch. These are LeBron James' season stats right now. Through 17 games, he's averaging, by the way, 35 minutes a game. Uh, he turns 35 in December. Just 35 in December, he's playing 35 minutes a game. 25.6 points a game. 7.4 rebounds. 11 assists. 11 assists the game, which ranks number one in the league in assists. He leads the league in assists. Only player with double-digit assists right now. No player in his age 30 season or later has ever averaged 25 points and 10 rebounds for an entire season. In fact, Mitch, Russell Westbrook is the only player to do this in his 10th season or later. Jeez. So LeBron James is on a historic pace right now, still scoring at an efficient clip, a high clip, 25 points, but he's added the playmaking into his game 
in his later age, relying a lot defensively and offensively on Anthony Davis, who has also been excellent this year. Uh, And I had just been extremely impressed with LeBron. The dude just seems to never age, Mitch. He just doesn't age. He is a, he's, he's the ageless wonder. Uh, It's remarkable what he's doing. I don't know if 11 assist is sustainable, uh, but it sure as hell is impressive. So this week, my daddy's favorite is Mr. LeBron James. Well, you know, he's, you figured LeBron had to be on here at some point. I mean, he is the Rugoat. What does that mean, Mitch? The Rugoat. The Rugoat. He's the runner up to the goat. (laughs) Oh, I understand. The second best of all time. The most illustrious title out there. Yeah, he's the Rugoat. He's he's second best. So. Listen, obviously LeBron is fantastic, and what he's been able to do in his late age, uh, incredible. So, shouts out to LeBron and the Lakers, who are 15-2, by the way. 15-2. Great start for those guys. Great start for them. Turns out you didn't need to have great players around Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Turns out you can just throw KCP and Avery Bradley out there and uh, you're going to still win. So that's cool. Exactly. (laughs) All right, Mitch, uh, let's get into something here that uh, seems appropriate for the the time of year, Mitch, because as we mentioned to start it, it is Thanksgiving week. And uh, it's time to be grateful, to think about what we have in our lives, be grateful for what we have. And I believe we did this last year, Mitch, and you suggested we do it again. And it is what we're thankful for in the universe of sports. Yes. Yes, it is. It's the time to be thankful, folks. And and we're thankful here for you're thankful a lot or for a lot here on the Sports Hour. Um, I, for one, non-sports related am thankful that I get to be an uncle here very soon. Yeah, in the next few days. Um my my uh brother and sister in law are about to give birth to a beautiful baby girl. And so uh looking forward to her arrival. Um I'm also thankful that I get to talk sports once a week with my best friend and uh Aww. get to sit down with you and uh do that. But uh yeah we're we're gonna do uh we came up with two things that we're thankful for in sports, and we're going to talk about them a little bit. But then we, we – we, so the plan was we were going to come up with three each, but then we wound up having the same third one. So yeah. we're, going to, we're going to do that one together. It's but uh, we came up with two – Yeah, <laughs> we, we felt the same way. So we, uh, we decided we're going to do that one together. We came up with two unique ones each. And, Dallin, I would like you to lead us off. What are you thankful for this year? All right, uh, I'm going to start, Mitch, in the NBA. Uh, And uh, this may seem strange, and I'm not a hater, I promise, but I am thankful that the Warriors aren't good this year. And uh, listen, I have been a fan of the Warriors, the Curry, Thompson, even when you added Durant. I've loved what they've done. I thought it was fresh. It was fun. It's fun to watch, fun to root for. I enjoyed watching them in the finals. But it just gets old eventually. And after five years, it's kind of refreshing that they just suck and I just don't have to think about them. It's just it's just different people to think about, different teams to care about now. Now it's the Clippers versus the Lakers, which by the way, the results are in on the first on the you know first impression of this, and it's a ton of fun. 
having both LA teams contending for a title, a ton of fun, like a lot of fun. So as an NBA fan, I, I, I am appreciative of being able to worry about other teams, other dynasties, other final contenders, and just to have a break from the Warriors. Cause here's the thing. They're, they may be the worst team in the league this year. They may end up with an extremely high draft pick who they're going to add to a healthy Steph Curry and a healthy Klay Thompson and maybe Draymond or maybe they flip Draymond into something else. Maybe D'Angelo Russell, uh, maybe a bunch of young players who are going to get a ton of experience this year. Some guys even showing out already like Eric Pascal and those guys are going to be solid role players slash bench players and the Warriors are going to be finals contenders next year. But at the very least, Mitch, we get a little bit of a reprieve, a little bit of a break, and I'm appreciative of it. I understand that sentiment. Uh, you know, we. I feel that way. I'm going to feel that way when the Patriots aren't in the playoffs anymore. I'm going I'm to feel the exact yeah. same way. So, yeah. and I think most sports fans would. Exactly. I understand that sentiment, and you're right about the for the the high draft pick and and just adding to uh, what should be a healthy roster at the beginning of next year. You're, you're absolutely right. All right, Mitch, what are you thankful for? So my first thing that I'm thankful for is I'm thankful for the A's farm system slash young talent. Um, look, I, I ran a little bit when we had Jordan Fox here on the show. I watched the wild card loss and I was so frustrated. Over the last few years, we've been in the wild card game. I, I think that started in 2012 is when the wild card game came into came into action. We've been there four times. Couldn't get past the wild card game. Um, but I'm thankful for the Ace Farm system because they keep us in the hunt. They keep us in the hunt. And I look at these young guys. Uh, let's start with Jesus Lazardo, Lou Trevino, AJ Puck, Sean Manaya, uh, Gerald Cotton. Those are just the arms. Then we go down to Matt Olson. Matt Chapman, Sean Murphy, Chad Pinder, uh, Jerks and Profar still 26. Uh, not a product of the A's farm system. But you look at all this young talent, and they, Ramon Laureano. I, I can't believe I missed him. Um, these young guys keep us in the hunt every year, and it keeps me hopeful for a playoff run one of these days. I think they got enough young talent to keep – making playoff appearances. Obviously, while the Astros are still atop, it's going to be tough to win a division. But it keeps me hopeful for those playoff runs, and I owe that to the A's farm system, the tremendous A's front office that keeps drafting young guys like this. And uh, that's what I'm. That's the first thing I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for the A's farm system. All right, Mitch. Well, I can uh, understand that. There's uh, there's something about sustained success. And like you said, despite not being able to get past a wild card, to be in that division or to be in that position, uh, you know, year in and year out, uh, that's a testament to depth in the farm system. Good, good franchises that can sustain winning have good farm systems. Uh, and both of our teams, the Dodgers and the A's, have very good farm systems. And uh, I, uh, I can I appreciate that. I can appreciate that. All right, Mitch. I'll let I'll, we'll do this in reverse. I'll let you. I'll let you give your second one now. All right. So, my second thing I'm thankful for this year is Lamar Jackson. Oh yeah. That's it. That's it. Oh, Just yeah. Lamar Jackson. That's the sentence. Um, <laughs> he is very quickly becoming one of my favorite players in the NFL. 
And just his skill talent, I've said he's Mike Vick 2.0. I don't even think that's a fair comparison. I think he is in a league of his own. Um, and I just want to throw some fun stats at you here, Dallin, because we're all about fun stats here, right? Through his first career 16 starts, he has more wins than Patrick Mahomes, a higher passer rating than Tom Brady, more yards per attempt than Aaron Rodgers, a higher completion percentage than Drew Brees, and more rushing yards than LaDainian Tomlinson. Wow. As a quarterback, he has more rushing yards than LT, one of the great running backs of not just an era but all time. He has more rushing yards than them and surpasses all those great quarterbacks, Brady, Rodgers, Brees, in major passing, passing categories. You, he, he was the sixth player this year. The sixth player in NFL history with multiple career games with a perfect passer rating. Peyton Manning had three. Ben Roethlisberger had three. Kurt Warner had three. Brady had two. And Craig Morton had two. Jackson has two now. He did them both in the same season. I love Lamar Jackson. I would know I I was critical of him at the end of last year with that terrible playoff performance. I was highly critical of Lamar Jackson. And I put a lot of pressure on him going into this year, saying the Ravens will sink or swim with Lamar Jackson. They're swimming. And they're swimming very, very fast. Because of this guy, he is spearheading not just this offense, but this entire team, this franchise. He is quickly becoming one of the faces of the NFL. And I can't get enough of the guy. I love watching. He is must-see TV when he is on the field. Yeah, Lamar is fantastic. Uh, Mitch, I got a couple of uh, little stats uh, to add into this Lamar thing. Uh, this was on SportsCenter seven hours ago, tweeted, The Ravens have punted twice in their last three games. That's nuts. And, get this, the quarterback on those drives in which they punted was not Lamar Jackson. It was RG3, the backup. Which means that in the last three games, anytime Lamar Jackson has touched the field, they haven't punted. Oh my God. Are you. St- <laughs> I mean, that's just dominant. That's just dominant. And here's uh, another fun one that I saw last night after the Monday night game. Uh, obviously, we know Lamar Jackson and the fantasy impact that he's had. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had like the all time fantasy football season last year, and Lamar Jackson is on pace to beat that. Uh, So that gives you an idea of how crazy it's been. But if you separated Lamar Jackson's passing stats from his rushing stats and made them two separate players, uh, he would be a QB one with just his passing stats. And he would be a running back one with his rushing stats. (laughs) I mean, that's the kind of guy we're talking I Can mean, we give him the dual tag. Oh my god! That is that's that's op at that point. Like that's cheating. I think. I don't. I mean, Lamar Jackson has just been uh, spectacular, Mitch, and uh, I, I I appreciate that sentiment. And I and I had a similar mindset here. I'm gonna say this. I am thankful for a new wave of quarterbacks to take over the league. This is something we talked about. I think we had a conversation about this when we first started the podcast or around that time of who was going to be the new crop of quarterbacks, the Brady's, the Breeze, the Rogers, Rivers, Roethlisberger, uh, Manning. They're on their way out. We've had some guys mixed in the middle there. Russell Wilson, uh, at times, maybe Cam Newton, maybe Matt Ryan. Uh, We've had guys float around, but who is going to take over 
this league at the quarterback position. And last year, Patrick Mahomes stated that uh, I'm one of those guys. And right now, Lamar Jackson is stating, hey, I'm one of those guys too. Deshaun Watson has been spectacular. I think he's one of those guys. Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, they may be some of those guys. Maybe Tua Tagovailoa, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, maybe those are some of those guys. But we are in this transition phase, Mitch, and I am grateful that we have some young, exciting quarterbacks to root for in the NFL and good people. Good people. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, great kids, smart, talented, good role models. It's great to have these kind of guys as the face of our NFL, and it's great to have a new class of quarterbacks uh, to lead this league. I, I, yeah, I 100% agree. I think we had a little lull there as far as, you know, quarterbacks, a new, a new wave of quarterbacks, because we had. We we had Brady, and then he he was followed up by Roethlisberger and Eli Manning and uh, Philip Rivers, Drew Brees, and that and Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers you could throw in there. That there was that generation before them. It was the Steve Youngs, the Brett Favres, the Dan Marinos, the John, John Elways, mm-hmm. the yep. Troy yep. Aikmans. It, there was there was that group, and then I mean, Russell Wilson's been absolutely fantastic. Cam Newton has had good years. Matt Ryan's had good years. But none of those guys really led the charge as that new wave of quarterbacks coming in. There was kind of that lull there from really that 4 draft until really up until two years ago or a year ago, that draft. And now we're starting to see it. I, I, I'm 100% on board with you. I'm very thankful for this new wave of quarterback talent coming in. Yeah, and there's more in the in uh, in the waiting room, as I could say, uh, in the draft in the next couple of years. There's a lot of talented run, uh, quarterbacks coming out, uh, guys that are going to have an impact on the NFL. Uh, it could get even deeper. We may have new faces uh, adding to this group in a couple of years. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a good time. It's a good time to be an NFL fan if you're looking at the play of quarterback. Yes, definitely, definitely. Mitch, we shared a final sentiment. Uh, so I'll let you go ahead and tell the people what we're, we as a combined entity are grateful for this year. Thank the Lord that the Astros didn't win the world series. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Thank God. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Thank the nationals. (laughs) Listen, you you bumped my Dodgers out in the NLDS, but uh, I'm not even mad about that anymore because you just made sure the Astros wouldn't win a, another World Series. And uh, I, I just appreciate that so much. And I know, Mitch, as an A's fan, you appreciate uh, seeing them go down. Yeah, I, I can't stand that team. Um, and you know what? I, I'm Who knows if the Dodgers even really lost that series with the whole sign-stealing thing. So... You know, maybe there was some sign stealing going on that the Dodgers couldn't even help, and maybe that contributed to the losses. Um, they're they're dirty, dirty humans. AJ Hinch should be banned from baseball. <laughs> wow, Mitch, that is the whole extreme. And uh, so did Ale- so should so should Alex Cora. He was a part of that crew, and then the Red Sox lose their great manager. So um, just get rid of all of them. Get rid of all of there them. There you go. Uh, I, I will say this, r slash uh, Dodgers on Reddit has just been up in arms since the whole controversy with the sign stealing and the videotaping and now the investigation that's going on into the Astros. Uh, they are no longer called the Astros on that subreddit. They're called the Asterix. Asterisks 
excuse me, uh, which I think is just awesome. So, uh, yes, just glad the asterisks didn't win another World Series. I mean, what do you think the penalty is going to be for that? Thing? I don't know, Mitch. This is pretty unprecedented if it if it turns out that they did cheat uh, in a World Series, especially considering how close that series was. I mean, seven games uh, competitive throughout. I mean, I, I don't know, Mitch. I mean, there, I, I don't there, know what it there, looks like. I don't know if there's any instances in baseball history of teams having to vacate wins. Um, but I think that's necessary. I think that there are certain co- parts of that coaching staff that are now spread out now. Um, and including current coaching staff that needs to be reprimanded. Yeah. Um, and I think the GM needs to be reprimanded and the owner needs to be reprimanded as well, because that doesn't just fly over your head. Like you have to know those things are going on. Um, this could be like a, type of smackdown as far as punishment goes that's of you know biblical proportions um this astros team really needs to get the right hand of justice thrown down on them and i think it's going to come down pretty swiftly yeah if they if they're found guilty obviously uh this is going to be pretty significant and like you said unprecedented we don't really know how this is going to be handled but uh it definitely wouldn't be good uh, and it just makes you feel icky. It just stuff like this is just not needed in sports. No, there's there's no place for this in sports. Like, and it, like, let's don't get me wrong. Picking signs is part of the game, right? If you're in the right. dugout and you're trying to pick signs and you and you see a certain sign be given, like that's part of the game. I did that when I played. But setting a camera up in the outfield. And and having a video like video going to you and recording all this and and having a, a screen in the dugout that you could actually see these signs from, that's a whole new level that needs to be handled with. And I, I think I I trust that baseball will handle this properly. They they usually do a pretty good job of handling this type of stuff. So uh, I, I I trust that it'll be handled accordingly. But yeah, it's uh it's wild times right now in baseball. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, that is uh, that is it for what we are thankful for in this thankful season. And Mitch, most of all, I think we can say we are thankful to the listeners for tuning absolutely. in and uh, listening to us to just talk about sports. It's a ton of fun to do, and it's a ton of fun to interact with you. Thank you. If you follow us on our socials, if you listen to the pod, wherever uh, you are a part of the show, we appreciate it. Yeah, get, guys, get on Anchor and leave us a message, man. Let's get that ball rolling, huh? Let's get yeah, I want to get some rolling. messages. I want to hear some questions, some thoughts, some opinions, uh, and we'd like to use them. So feel free to do that. Uh, Mitch, all right, let's uh, let's wrap this all up with our quick picks. Uh, you took a little bit more of a lead this week. Yeah, I did. Uh, I jumped out to a four-game lead over you. I went 9-5 and five last week down. You went 7-7. Seven and seven. Um, I now set a record of 102-59-1. and one. Uh, you sit at 98, 63 and one, by the way, we're picking games at a very good clip right now. I just want to point that out. I think, I think even a little bit better than we were last year. So, um, regardless of who wins this, we're picking games exceptionally well. Um, but let's jump in to our Turkey day game. Shall we? Yes. Yeah. Three games on Thanksgiving. Always fun. And Mitch, we get to start off with your team, the Chicago Bears, traveling to Ford Field 
The division rival Detroit Lions await Mitch. It's Jeff Driscoll at quarterback for the Lions. And as abysmal as your Bears have been, I just can't pick Jeff Driscoll, Mitch. So I got the Bears on on Thursday. Well, yeah, you know, the Bears, one of those teams that show up every now and then on Thanksgiving. And I think we got a pretty good pretty good track record playing on Thanksgiving. Um, so, well, ah, dang it! My, my chair broke again! <laughs> you, 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 got, you listeners don't know, this is about the third or fourth time this has done this today. Uh, it's been a rough one for Mitch Mo over here with the, with the chair situation. Um, but long story short, you got to be crazy if you think I'm not taking my Bears. Give me the Bears over Detroit. Um, following that game, Buffalo, they're headed over to the Lone Star State to take on the Dallas Cowboys, a regular on Thursday, on uh, Thanksgiving Thursday games. Um, look, Dallas, they're coming off the game against the Pats, where they did not look good at all. Buffalo just coming off a 20-3 victory. Or, sorry, 37-20 victory. I was looking at the previous week. 37-20 victory over Miami. Um, the offense hasn't looked good in Dallas, and that's a really good defense in Buffalo. Give me Buffalo on the road. All right, Mitch, I am right there with you. I took the Bills on the road. I don't feel confident about Dallas, and listen, I they may show up. I would not be shocked if Dallas won this game, if they even dominated this game. But Buffalo's defense is really good, uh, and I feel good about this team. I think they're competitive. It'll be a tight game, low scoring perhaps, like a 21-18, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on Buffalo there. Uh, we, had, we wrap up Thanksgiving with an NFC South matchup, the Saints. Tra- traveling down or traveling up to Atlanta to take on the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, this is a Falcons team that beat these Saints just three weeks ago. Uh, I don't see that same outcome this time, Mitch. The Saints coming off a sneaky close win against the Panthers. They're going to get it done on the road and get two ten 10 wins and lock up the NFC South this week with the win. Yeah, I, I see them locking it up as well. Give me New Orleans on the road. That is three road teams getting the victory on Thanksgiving. Yeah. There you let's go. Start off, <laughs> let's start off our Sunday main slate. We have the Tennessee Titans. They're headed over to the home of the Indianapolis 500. Indianapolis, Indiana take on the Indianapolis Colts. Give me the Colts in this one. Uh, not a big Titans fan. They're boring. Blah. Give me the <laughs> Give me the Colts. Mitch, uh, as I stated earlier in the podcast, these are two teams, six and five, fighting for that wild card spot. Only a game back of the division, by the way, and their division leader gets to play the Patriots this week. So uh, this could be a, a chance to make a move in the in the divisional race and in the wild card. Uh, it's going to be a tough game. I'm going to pick Tennessee here, though, Mitch. Uh, Tennessee has been on a roll, including a win over uh, the Chiefs two weeks ago. Uh, they have looked pretty good. Ryan Tannehill has looked good. Derrick Henry, solid on the ground. It's a solid defense. I had this team, I believe, at 2-14 and 14 this year, Mitch. They're definitely not 2-14. and 14. I whiffed on that one. But uh, I'm going to take Tennessee on Sunday. All right. All right, following that up, Mitch, is the game of the week, and somehow it's a 10 a.m. West Coast kick. Don't ask me why this wasn't flexed to a Sunday night. I don't know why. 
makes shame zero on sense. you NFL. Shame on uh, you. This may be the Super Bowl matchup, and that is the Niners traveling to Baltimore to take on the red hot Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Both these teams coming off big primetime victories, and now they get to duel it out in Baltimore. I'm going to take the Ravens, Mitch. As you stated, they are the best team in the NFL right now, and I get the Niners had a big game. I have no idea what the outcome of this game is going to be. I could see it. I could see both teams scoring in the high 20s to low 30s. I could see it being a 13 to 10 game. I have no idea where it's going to go, but I think that Baltimore is going to win. Yeah, I. Um, funny how this is a rematch of the Harbaugh Bowl, minus one Harbaugh. And completely different rosters, and somehow these teams are the two best teams in football right now. Yeah, um, and that was just seven years ago, Mitch. In seven years, these teams look completely different. Oh, totally different. Totally I mean, different. Was, get this. that You know you know what that um, those quarterbacks in that Super Bowl was, Mitch? Joe Flacco and Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. One of those guys yeah. ain't in the league anymore, and the other guy shouldn't be. I mean, that's insane. That was not that long ago. Yeah. I mean, can you think about Terrell Suggs and Patrick Willis being the defensive leaders on those teams? Wow. There you go. I mean, you're talking about Michael Crabtree playing a big role at that time. I mean, it is nuts how much has changed for these two franchises and you're and you're right uh it, it's it seems like we you know this could be a super bowl and, and what a weird rematch who do you have in this game so in this game you know it's like you said who knows how this game's going to end up and this was this is by far the hardest game to pick this week because i think you can make a case for san francisco but i'm going to pick baltimore in this one um i i will say i could see it being 27 23 baltimore in the end very close okay. game yeah Following that, we have, is this garbage game of the week? Yes, Mitch, let's do it. This is just, this is just hot garbage. Straight hot garbage. You're a garbage person. Yeah, it feels just wrong to follow up the game of the week with the garbage game of the week, but we have to do it. The Jets are traveling over to the least desirable vacation spot in America, Cincinnati, Ohio, to take on the 0-11 Bengals. Um, Jets... Just coming off a 34-3 win over the Raiders. Uh, looked a lot better than they have in recent weeks. I know the Raiders had a down week, and that defense is still really weak. But um, the the Jets looked a lot better than they have recently. So I'm going to take the Jets in this one. Yeah, uh, Mitch, this was easy. Taking the Jets. Bengals are 0-11. They're the uh, obviously the only winless team right now in the NFL. In fact, they have a two-game lead on the number one pick. Uh, the, the, you know, the next teams, couple teams at two and nine, but a two game lead to secure that number one pick for the Bengals. Uh, obviously, you know, I'm sure they're very proud of that. Uh, that's they're, they're definitely shooting for it now. Uh, in fact, it's so bad, Mitch, that they've benched the rookie quarterback, Ryan Finley to go back to Andy Dalton. Well, that's better than Ryan Finley. I will say that. I I mean, Uh, he's much better than Ryan Finley. And as you mentioned, Mitch, Jets three-game win streak right now. Beat the Giants, beat the Redskins, but dominated the Raiders. Uh, They're kind of on a roll. And they get uh, the – following this game, they're going to get the Dolphins. So uh, they could could string a couple along here. Hashtag tank for Joe Burrow. Hashtag hashtag Andy Dalton to Chicago. That's yes, ha- hashtag, uh, you know, probably draft Chase Young. I'm just saying, Joe Burrow, great. I know they need a QB. Chase Young, fantastic. Uh, all right, the next game on the slate, Mitch, is an AFC North matchup. 
Uh, this is the infamous swinging helmets around ugly Monday, sorry, Thursday night game we had a couple weeks ago. This time, Cleveland traveling to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. Devlin Ducky Hodges is the starting quarterback for the Steelers. This quack, segment. quack, quack, quack. That's sorry. all I needed. I will take the Browns. Yep. Um, I got the Browns too. I got the Browns too, but really what I'm more interested in is if there is an over-under at Vegas for how many brawls will be in the game, doesn't matter what the number is, just take the over. Oh, no, I, I think this will Hammer. be a pretty... No, I, Hammer I, the over. I, I think it'll be chippy early, but I, these teams are smart enough to not do that again. Uh, well, they're smart enough not to swing their helmets at each oh, other, well. but I, I, I think there might be a few fights in this one. Whatever I that don't... is, ha- hammer the yeah. over. Yeah, I don't know. All I know is that when you are benching your backup quarterback for the third string guy, you're in a bad spot. Yeah, pretty bad shape. Yeah. Um, this game, not very attractive either. We got Philadelphia. They're leaving the city of brotherly love to head down to Miami. Uh, have you have you seen that clip of the MLB players where it's it's like Family Feud, and uh, it's these uh. It's MLB legends against the NBA legends and the MLB legends are up. And the category is a word that rhymes with yummy and Pedro Martin, Pedro Martinez, God love him answers Miami. <laughs> I mean, in Spanish, he's not wrong. I'm just saying in Spanish. Miami, and just the look, everyone yummy, just Miami. starts busting up. They're like, Hey, my yummy, my yummy rhymes with yummy. So, Oh man. Gotta love Pedro. But uh, I, I got Philly in this one on the road. Uh, Miami's a pretty bad team. And I think Philly's looking for a rebound here. So uh, give me Philly. Yeah, any game involving the Dolphins this year, Mitch, is an ugly game. So uh, luckily for the for the Eagles, they had to face the Patriots and the Seahawks. But they get a reprieve here with the Dolphins. Uh, I don't care who's playing wide receiver in this game. Philly's going to get the victory. Maybe J.J. Arcega-White's hot take. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside will go over 100 yards for the first time in his career. Oh, all right, Mitch. I like it. Somebody has to. They got to throw the ball to somebody. Yep. Got it. <laughs> all right, following that, we're going to Charlotte, ladies and gentlemen. Keep pounding. The Panthers are at home. And guess who's coming into town? Dwayne Haskins. Will he even be at the game? Will he be taking selfies with fans the whole time? We don't know. All I know is that the Panthers are going to get a dub on Sunday against the team from Washington. Yeah, uh, two words for you down. Keep pounding. I got those Panthers over Washington. I think this is probably one of the easier picks of the week. Yes, keep pounding. Uh, we're going we're going for at least eight and eight this year. Nine and seven, but eight and eight. No losing. No losing record this year. I believe in you. You get to five hundred. I believe Thanks, you. bro. Um following that, we have Green Bay. They're headed over to Big Apple to take on the New York Giants, and I think a game this game. Can't get much uglier for the New York Giants. I think the only thing uglier is that new Tesla truck that was just released this week. Oh. And I'm taking Green Bay in this one in a landslide. Give 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 me Green Bay by 20. Wow, Mitch doesn't like the Cybertruck, huh? It's it's god awful. I don't care how fuel economy it is or electric or how whatever. I don't care what's in it. It is it was like they were trying to make it look ugly. <laughs> they were trying to make it look ugly, just like the Giants are trying to make their games look ugly right now because they need some help. Uh, yep, Green Bay. Yeah, the Giants, the Giants are doing a heck of a job of playing ugly football. Uh, go, listen, Green Bay got embarrassed on Sunday night 
against the Niners. Uh, they're going to come out here and they're going to put up 40 plus on the Giants. I uh, there's no way that this offense and, and Aaron Rodgers, who just got shut down by the Niners, is not throwing for 350 in like three touchdowns. It's just it's gonna they're gonna they're gonna crush the Giants and reestablish. Uh, who they are this week in the Meadowlands? I got Green Bay. Mitch, I think if I, I think if I'm Green Bay, I run up the score a little bit. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah. You, it's this is all about confidence. This is about swagger. This is about set uh, making a statement. Absolutely. Like let Aaron throw for three fifty and Aaron Jones rush for a hundred. Let him do it. Yeah. Like, no, exactly. Run the score yeah. up. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Mitch, you know what this means. You know where we're headed, right? We are headed to the swamps of Jacksonville. We got Nick Foles waiting, and they're taking on the cross-state rivals, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Are they rivals? They probably should be. They both kind of suck. This is not a very good game. I'm going to take the Buccaneers in this one, Mitch. I think it's time for Minshew Mania again. Not a fan of what Nick Foles has done post-injury. Throw in Minshew. You're 4-7. You're not making the playoffs. Let the rookie have have another run at it. Well, you know, at least Jacksonville was winning games or hanging around games when Minshew was in. Exactly. Let let him go back in. I don't think that Jacksonville loses more than 10 games. I don't see that happening. It, it very well could happen, but um, I just think this is, is, uh, this is a game where Jacksonville rebounds, put Minshew in the game, and I think they get the win. Give me Jacksonville over Tampa Bay. Um, following that, we have the Rams coming off an ugly Monday night game against the Ravens. They're headed over to the desert to take on the Arizona Cardinals. Look, Arizona already better than what I had him in the preseason. Kyler Murray has only shown improvement week in, week out. He's shown to be dual threat like we thought he was going to give me, like he thought what like we thought he was going to be. Give me Arizona over LA. Wow. Okay. So the 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 precipitous fall continues for the Rams, is what you're saying. I think so. Okay, yep. Mitch. I am right there with you. <laughs> this could be a close one, but I think the 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 Cardinals sneak away with a victory on Sunday and leave the Rams at six and six and firmly uh, out of the playoffs. I'm gonna take Arizona and Kyler Murray is is having a pretty good first season. He's gotten better throughout the season, which is what you want to see. And I think he, we're gonna, he's, he's going to have some flashy last couple weeks and get people real excited for what he can do next year. Yep, absolutely. All right, Mitch, we, were, we had an NFC West matchup. Now we go to the AFC West. It's the Oakland Raiders traveling to Arrowhead to take on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. One game separates these two teams in the, in the division. This is a game that has both wild card and divisional matchup implications, but the Chiefs are going to get it done against a Raiders team that, as you mentioned earlier, has a very bad road record. Uh, it's going to continue for them. Kansas City gets the win, the two-game lead in the division. Give me the Chiefs. Yeah, like I talked about, the um, the the tough road record for the Oakland Raiders, 1-4 and four on the road right now. And when you think about tough places to play, you think about CenturyLink in Seattle. You think about the dog pound in Cleveland. Uh, you you think about you think about Soldier Field in Chicago. You think about Lambeau in Green Bay. But none of them top Arrowhead Stadium as one of the toughest places to play 
not just in football, but in professional sports. I All I need the Raiders to do is go 8-8, eight and eight and I win that bet. They don't get it done this week. Give me Kansas City. Following that game, the Chargers. They're leaving Los Angeles and all 37 of their fans, half of them being Phillip Rivers' children. And they're headed over to the Mile High City to take on the Denver Broncos. Uh Give me the Chargers in this one. Uh, Denver is a very bad team with a very bad quarterback situation. Um, I think the Chargers need to get another win here. I don't see them going less than six wins. I think they get there, um, and one of those wins is going to have to be right here on the road in Denver. Yeah, these teams are at the bottom of the AFC West. We just had the top of the AFC West in a matchup, Kansas City-Oakland. These two at the bottom, 4-7 and seven for the Chargers, 3-8 and eight for the Broncos. Both are not having good seasons. Uh, Mitch, I took Denver in this one. One, I'm going to give it to the road, the home team here. Uh, but I also think we may see Drew Locke this week. And I don't know. I just think weird things happen. I This is kind of a toss-up to me. Uh, but home field advantage, maybe quarterback change. Drew Locke coming in, maybe he has some success. I don't know. I think this may be the garbage game of the week, but uh, I'm cool with giving it to any game that involves the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I'm going to take Denver in this one, though. Yeah, I think this would be a close run. This is a close runner up. Yeah, for a garbage game. That's for the, <laughs> another that's another for sure. bad one. All right, Mitch. Sunday night football. As we mentioned earlier, it should be San Francisco, Baltimore. But hey, instead we get the Patriots going to Houston to take on the Texans. Now this is still a good game. Ten and one Patriots, seven and four AFC South leading Texans. Deshaun Watson versus Tom Brady. A ton of fun. And listen, the Patriots offense has not been very good over the last couple weeks. The defense is still playing well. Houston needs a statement win after getting decimated by the Baltimore Ravens, but they're not going to get it because because the Patriots just have a thing with Houston where they're just going to beat them every time. Bill Belichick is extremely good against his former assistants, like extremely good, and that includes the Houston Texans. So I'm going to take the Patriots on the road. You know, the Pats aren't going to go 15-1. and one. They can't go 15-1. and one. And I think if there's a place they could lose, prime time on the road in Houston, give me the Texans at home against the New England, the struggling offense of the New England Patriots. Yeah, all right. Following that, as Hank Jr. would say, are you ready for some football? Monday night football, we have the Minnesota Vikings. They are leaving uh, Minnesota. I don't I don't have a cool name for Minnesota other than they're leaving Minnesota and they're headed over to CenturyLink Field to take on the 12th man and the Seattle Seahawks. This one is for Dennis and Christine. Again, I shout them out every time the Seattle Seahawks are playing a game at home. Give me the Seahawks over the Vikings. This is a good team, and I think they get it done with the 12th man. Yeah, you have the 9-2 Seahawks hosting the 8-3 Minnesota Vikings, both teams in the wild card hunt, fighting for divisional titles. Uh, Minnesota tied with Green Bay right now. Seattle game back in San Francisco. Both need a win. Both teams are going to be fighting hard. This is going to be a tough game. I think a competitive matchup, a very run heavy with Dalvin Cook and then Chris Carson on the other side. I'm going to take Seattle at home. They have looked like a top five team in the NFL this year. Minnesota, a top 10 team, but not quite at that same level. So I'm going to take Seattle in this matchup. I like it. 
I like it a lot. All right, Mitch, that is it for our picks. I want to make a quick note. You said that New England is not going to go 15-1 to this year and they have to lose. And they have some tough matchups. Like you mentioned, uh, we have the Texans this week, uh, the Chiefs the following week. They still got to play the Bills. But the one game I'm looking at most for a chance for them to slip up is Week 15, Mitch, where they take on the 0-11 Bengals in Cincinnati. Trap game! I'm just saying. I'm calling oh. it now. It's a trap game. <laughs> you, <laughs> you better follow through on that and take Cincinnati in that game. I'm just, kidding. I'm just kidding, guys. I'm just kidding. Are you kidding me? I'm not stupid. What I do I look like? Stu- I don't think you're stupid, no. but I think I think you have the balls to do it. I I mean, I, I desperate times call for desperate measures, Mitch. If we get to that point and I haven't, you know, close this deficit that I'm uh, that I have enough I may I may have to to be so bold you know looking forward though just just another quick note here looking forward I see them dropping this week to Houston and I see them dropping to Buffalo I think they drop oh, okay. to Buffalo if the offensive struggles continue they roll they roll against Buffalo and that stout defense you know, it, it's a, it's a, that's a good game. That's a very good game, I think. So yeah, hundred percent. And that's the, that's the, of all the teams on their schedule remaining. That is the team with the best record. Is is the eight and three Buffalo Bills? Eight and three Buffalo Bills. Doesn't that just sound funny coming out of yeah. your mouth? Yeah. Like Who did I'm a fan that? of it. Like I'm a fan of it, but like that just sounds funny coming out. You know, Mitch. It's week thirteen, and the Bills have a better record than the Chiefs. That's I never would have saw it coming. <laughs> you know, you, you know, it's just it is what, what it I is. haven't finished in. What I have a third, third in the division. Yeah, Adam seven and nine. I had the Jets at ten and six for Christ's sake. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, hey, the Jets will always be ten and six to me. Oh, forever ten and six in our hearts. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Mitch. I think that's it we have for the podcast today. That's it. That's it. If you guys want to get some more content, you can go ahead and follow us at. The Sports Hour Guys on Instagram, at Sports Hour Guys on Twitter. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts on any platform. If you search us, you look us up, you'll find us because we'll be there. Um, also, go ahead and get at us on Anchor. That's our new uh, hosting website. We're proud to be sponsored up with them. Guys, make sure to go leave a video message on there so that we can post your messages and your questions here on the show. and We will answer them and debate them live. Um, make sure to go get us get that ball rolling on that and uh, go ahead, leave a comment, a rating, tell us we suck. That's the only way that we can get better. Yeah, we appreciate those who interact with us on the socials, on the Instagram posts that answers the questions that we pose on there. We do look at those. We care about those. We want to hear from you. Uh, the voice messages on Anchor just give us another way to do that. So we do encourage you to go on there, leave us a message. We want to use these on the pod. Mitch, it's been a pleasure. You have a happy Thanksgiving, my friend. Give everybody my love. And uh, it's always fun to do this with you. It's always a blast, man. Yeah, give your family my love. Give Nana and Papa a hug for me. Tell them I said hi. And uh, I, I, you have a happy Thanksgiving too, my friend. I thank you. I appreciate it, Mitch. We appreciate you all. We will catch you next week. See ya! See ya!